We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out. This time going deep for Beckham Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by my co-host here on Rotoviz Overtime, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, today's show is going to be a super fun one. It is Thursday, it is draft day, preview for the listeners. We are recording this one a little bit earlier in the week, so we're, anything could be subject to change. But we do think that uh, pretty much the running back prospects are probably going to be day two picks. We'll be talking a little bit about them on today's show. But that is not the most exciting part of today's show, Sean. The most exciting part is that we're being joined by Dave Cabin. Uh, anyone that listens to Road of His Radio will have heard Dave over the last number of years and uh, doing a phenomenal job at the moment with him and Curtis Patrick on the flagship podcast. So I guess it'll be rude for me not to go to the guest first, Sean. So uh, Dave, how's things? Hey, everything's doing, uh, everything's going really well for me, getting super pumped about this draft upcoming. But more importantly, I am really pumped to be on uh, Rotoviz overtime with you guys. I've been jealous of guests that have been able to come on before. I think this is hands down one of the absolute best uh, fantasy football podcasts out there. Uh, so I am just super thrilled to be on and chatting with you guys. 
Yeah, we do have a wall of fame. There's a couple of names up on it, but uh, we are very exclusive with our guests. It's something that uh, wasn't intentional at the start, but <laughs> we've been <laughs> gone that way since. But uh, Sean, it's going to be it's going to be a fun one getting Dave on here today. I think I think it's something that we've been wanting to do for a long time. It is, and really, we would prefer to record for three hours with Dave here, but we're going to keep it to the normal <laughs> length for listeners. For Dave, he's got uh, his job; he's got to get back too but before time runs out we want to go over uh, some of these running back prospects we have dave on the show as an expert in so many things he does a lot of the fantastic tools for us on the site right now uh, in all of the all the metrics series articles that i do i'm checking out his work in the prospect workout explorer you can go in and see what all the different prospects are doing in their athletic testing, how that compares to former prospects, how their top athletic comps have done at the NFL level. Really cool stuff there. He's also the mastermind behind our range of outcomes tools where you can look at the individual players. You can look at their historical comps, what their range of outcomes are based on what their comps have done uh, in seasons following the season that they comp to the player in. And so a really great tool for beating your opponents at picking players, right? Understanding the scenarios, understanding the risk, understanding the reward. Uh, Dave has put that together for us. We would love to talk about all of these things, but Dave, I wanted to jump in and start first with a couple of these really cool articles you've had on 2021 running back prospects. We know the draft is going on today. Uh, Harris, ETN, guys who could go in the first round, uh, possibility maybe of a dark horse first rounder. At the same time, there's a possibility that all of those guys will fall into the second round, especially if the Steelers don't make a pick there. And, you know, frankly, they do need a running back, but they also have other needs. You know, might be able to address that running back position later. But Dave, you've looked at these prospects from a variety of different angles. And one of the ones that always jumps out to me is your breakaway rush scores. I like guys who can run daylight, right? I like guys who can create a big play. One of my concerns is if you look at prospects who are not able to generate the big play against collegiate competition, that's a big red flag for me in terms of them being able to beat NFL defenders who we know are bigger, stronger, faster, shut down those angles so quickly. Go through why you think this metric is valuable and then we'll look at a a few of the individual players maybe some guys who jumped up you were surprised about and maybe some players with some small red flags sure so this is a topic that i had been considering in my mind for years um before i actually had the data available to go back and look into it but the thing that got me thinking about it was you would always read in scouting reports or you'd hear you know the draft nicks on tv talking about um you know this player is so explosive or he's got that big play potential. But occasionally you would hear it mentioned about a player and I would say, wait a second, like if I go into the stats and I look at this, it makes me doubt that this player is always breaking off these, you know, runs of 50 plus yards at a clip. So what I did find when I went back, Sean, and looked at a relationship between a player's ability to break off long rushes, which we call breakaway rushes, rushes of 15 or more yards, but really focusing in on 15 plus, 20 plus, and 40 plus for whatever reason that seems to be the best uh, combination you can get at predicting fantasy points per game in a player's first three seasons. Um, But yeah, that that there's a strong relationship between 
those breakaway runs and, and potential um, at the next level. And what I found was it was always, or it was not always clear um, that those lit players being labeled as explosive actually were when you looked at the amount of runs that they were breaking off. Now, you know, of course, there's probably some confounding variables like offensive line play, the team's overall scheme, but you do find that these players that can break off these big runs do tend to have a higher chance of finding NFL success. So to give some names, and I'm sure if anybody's paid attention to me or listened to me this year, you've heard me talk about Javion Hawkins, a running back who I think is one of the most exciting players in the whole draft coming out of Louisville. Unfortunately, he came in a little undersized this year, but he crushed things with a very strong historical breakaway rush score. Now, a player that you wrote about recently, Michael Carter actually comes in second in the class. It's interesting in that Javante Williams also comes in at fourth. So they both scored pretty strongly. And then I do feel compelled to point out that Travis Etienne scores pretty competitively um, in breakaway rush score as well, which really rounds out his tremendous profile. I think that a player that really stood out to me as one that I would have liked to have seen do a little bit more would have been a running back like Ramondre Stevenson, right? This big-bodied guy who you hope could be exciting um, had a little bit different of a career trajectory than other backs, but he scored kind of towards the bottom. Now, I've been asked if there's a relationship between being a big back and having fewer breakaway rushes. It might look like that if you just go to my article and look at this class, but historically that hasn't happened because we also see Najee Harris actually ranking in at third worst in the class. Um, As I've talked about, though, before, for me, this isn't as much of a red flag when I look at his overall profile uh, because breakaway rush score is one of the most predictive metrics that we have. I do put a lot of emphasis on it, but it's not the only thing I'm going to look at. When we're looking at these guys, Dave, there is a an element of you want to have the breakaway rushes, but you also have to get the overall usage within your offense just to have a chance, right? So we're going to be kind of looking at guys who are both creating a lot of long runs, but also are just creating a lot of runs in general. I was wondering, one of the things that jumps out to me here for the guys in second, third, and fourth, Carter Jefferson Williams, none of those guys really blew the lid off of the athletic testing. And yet we have this other metric here suggesting that on the field they have the athleticism to get it done yes and i think that that's one like so when you're trying to find relationships or ways to predict things there's certain variables that you can't isolate because we don't have testing that directly correlates to them and we don't have any type of stats necessarily that go and find those traits and hone in on them so i think that with breakaway rush score you're finding really, in essence, a player's playmaking ability. Now, as you mentioned, I do include elements of volume into the formula because there is a pretty solid relationship between generating volume. Some people might argue with that, but what I've seen is that being given the opportunity to have a lot of rushing attempts tends to be a good signal of that player's ability to produce at the next level. But then we're also capturing their playmaking. So it's what did they actually do with that big workload um, that can really propel them up the boards. So I think you make a really good point about Carter, Jefferson, and Williams. What I think this is telling us is that these guys do have certain skills that don't show up in the athletic measurables, but do tend to allow them to make these explosive plays on the field. So I think that's a really good point for you to, to mention. 
Now, Colm, I'm wondering how concerned you are about Harris coming in this low. I have a not really a love-hate relationship. I, I just really like Harris. But in terms of where he's going to go in drafts and how valuable he's going to be, this optimism mixed with skepticism in that he's someone that I've owned a lot in Devi. And then I've watched him through the years. And the person who keeps coming to mind is Trent Richardson, right? Someone who's big, someone who's athletic, and then someone who, once they get the ball, they're moving a lot, but not going forward, right? Now, Harris, we do have all of these highlights. We have the receptions. We have the touchdowns. We have the hurdles over the defensive backs, you know, sometimes even jumping over players who are standing upright. And you're like, well, you know, this guy has to be an absolute monster. His size, athleticism, package, and some of these raw stats are crazy. And yet, at the same time, the number of long runs, pretty low. And you have a lot of cuts where he ends up in the same place after the cut that he was in before the cut again that that raises a little bit of a red flag to me (laughs) Colin when you're when you're looking at this what would be your question for Dave about what we should really make of this yeah there's a lot of cuts there but um in terms of like you know the Trent Richardson thing you know I always like and kind of it mightn't even feed into this but when we talk about like vision for a running back I think that's something that Trent Richardson the more he was in the league the more he tended to struggle with and I find a lot of the time if those cuts are going nowhere a lot of the time it is that either the running back has gone to the wrong place in the original part of the scheme or that he has actually gone to the right place but he's run himself into trouble so the the interesting thing about him is as you mentioned the you know total number of runs over 15 20 30 yards is, is very minimal um, and in terms then of over 40 yards there's none over 50 yards there's none so th- there's a lot of concerns in terms of the percentage of explosive plays that we we did see from him and he kind of fits into that bracket where the highlight plays are there and sometimes with media coverage and things like that the highlight plays can enhance people's opinions of how that player does look so it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes in the actual draft but he's in a kind of niche area at the moment where even in these upcoming rookie drafts he's in a position where there's other options that i'm probably going to look towards and i know sean you've talked about him a number of times on the show um but i think it's going to be interesting in the landing spot but i think there's just players that i like in that range around him that i think i'll be targeting more uh, in, in my rookie drafts next week but dave how does it for like for you the the red flags here in terms of the lack of explosive uh, plays from from that nature how much are you were you surprised i guess when you when you went through the data and then compared to some of these other guys is is this the the biggest of the red flags that you see in this this running back class oh boy yeah it's really tough because and you made a great points about a great point about how um, you know players that get a lot of coverage and you see the highlights over and over, it can really enhance your opinion. Because I was super surprised when I saw him score as weakly as he did. Because you know I must have seen replays of you know Alabama in the college football playoff and Harris just running wild. I probably saw you know the same two or three plays like seventy five times, and I was expecting that you know. I was going to see a much higher number. So that was a big red flag. And I think that for many people, this might be one of the bigger red flags that they will see out of any of the backs outside of perhaps, like I mentioned, a player like Javien Hawkins, who I was super high on not coming in with what I think is the requisite size that he would need. So well, though, this may be one of the biggest red flags that I saw for me personally, it actually isn't hindering my opinion of him 
too much because I do think that he's going to have a couple of things going for him. Draft position, which is super helpful. The fact that he can catch passes, which is going to allow him to stay on the field. And then thirdly, just that tremendous size that he has. I think that coaches are going to want to use that. They're going to expect that he can deliver in short yardage situations. I do think he looks like a player that can be used in all phases of the game. And I think that um, just the overall, I guess, cachet that he has is going to be enough to give him opportunity to prosper in the first couple of years. Would I have liked to have seen him put up ridiculous breakaway rush numbers like Jonathan Taylor? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Or Saquon Barkley, another one of these backs that fits into that mold? Absolutely. But with it also being a down running back class, in my mind, it's really just him and Travis Etienne uh, at the top of the class. So perhaps if I was in or, or going through these exercises in a different year and you had some of the guys that came out last year, then I would be viewing these more critically. It's interesting that you mentioned that too, in that with ETN and Harris, they stayed an extra year in order to avoid those comparisons or to avoid being in a draft where they might get really pushed down because of some of those other prospects. Uh, that's a little bit of a red flag in another realm as well. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Dave, we also wanted to look at your second, uh, one, of, one of many articles on this class, talking about some of the key metrics that will help you project these guys to the NFL. And you've been working a lot with regression trees. You've been working a lot with different types of characteristics that have tended to translate really well. And in another one of your articles, you talk about players who hit six yards per rushing attempt, 100 total yards per game have a 50% market share, which actually takes out a couple of the most interesting prospects this year. <laughs> they actually have to share the backfield with someone else. And then a draft position in the top 100. You also mentioned, you know, getting in the vicinity of that one rushing touchdown per game. Uh, some of the guys who really jump out at the top of this list historically that you've mentioned, 
Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Nick Chubb. I mean, it's, it's really a who's who of some of the very best running backs in the NFL at the top of that list. Give us a little bit of context for what we're looking at here and maybe how you said it's a little bit of a weaker draft class. How does the 2021 running back class measure up? Yeah, so I don't think that it measures up um, really that well at all. Um, now, one one thing that I will point out, so in the article that you're talking about, I had been looking at regression trees and I found, how, how should I say this? Like, sometimes you will hear people talking about specific traits or characteristics of running backs not matter, uh, not mattering in, in certain traits or stats that you could look at being the only things that matter. But one of the things that we've been trying to do is find different relationships of these stats and the way that they interact and their interactions in a way that matter. So... Um, with that in mind, what I started doing was looking at different ways that you could combine the stats. So we had the the one that you mentioned um, where I kind of combined those four different metrics in a way that really mattered. Now, the interesting thing about that, Sean, was that in this class, we only had two guys that checked off all three of those boxes, and that was Travis Etienne and Jarrett Patterson. Everybody else was down at two or lower. Um, and there definitely is a relationship in those four factors um, that you referenced. There's definitely a relationship between them and NFL success in that the more of those boxes that you check, the better your odds of NFL success. And then the other key factor uh, that I discovered too was just that if you had six or more rushing yards per attempt and you also had... Um, more than 100 total yards per game, this puts you into this cohort with this absolutely smash um, hit rate. And again, in that group, we only see uh, Jarrett Patterson and Travis Etienne. So to me, I mean, when you only have two of these guys that are profiling as these top-level type of prospects, um, and even in that uh, three-box checking category, I would say that that doesn't necessarily mean a back has this tremendous hit rate and looks like a smash. So we just don't have a lot of meat on the bone um, in this class, is my opinion. Yeah, it feels like it is a, a class that, you know, there, there is, there'll be some of these guys, obviously, that are going to hit, but uh, the, the athletic side of things may not be the exact reason why that does happen. Uh, Sean finished up just short of the, the all-time running back, and Jamal Charles uh, is also on that list. So uh, the names, they, they just uh, are at the real top end. Um, anything in terms, uh, Dave, I'll just, I always like to ask this, but those late round guys, is there anyone that's uh, really piquing your interest and in checking off some of these boxes um, <laughs> this season? Yeah, well, you know, like a couple of backs that you could see in the later rounds. It's not like there's, um, you know, a couple of things that I could point to were saying, if you have a player with these certain characteristics, you get X hit rate. But guys that I have found kind of interesting, um, Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech has better size than some of the backs in this class. Um, you know, there is enough of a production profile for him to be interesting. I think, Sean, you and I both actually highlighted him in an article by Zachary Kruger that came out earlier um, or later last week, actually looking at late round best ball targets. So I've been kind of interested in him. Also, Elijah Mitchell, um, smaller back out of Louisiana, not LSU. Louisiana is also uh, pretty interesting to me as well. Um, but I would say that the from a probabilistic standpoint, um, any of these backs going after Etienne and Harris, I just feel like there's there's such a slim chance of any of them actually materializing into something. 
Obviously, that could change after the draft comes out and maybe one of them lands in a terrific situation. But though there's some guys I can point to and maybe generate a little bit of enthusiasm, when I'm actually drafting, I'm probably going to be more or less staying away from these guys unless I'm in a startup and I'm in positions where there just aren't any backs that really um, look to me like they could give my team any upside moving forward, then I would default with one of these rookies. But um, beyond that, I'm probably just going to be looking elsewhere. Dave, you've mentioned both Hawkins and Patterson here. Those are two guys that Blair and I have been loading up on in rounds 27 and 28 of our early best ball leagues. And you know, mentioned Zach's article. It was a cool article there. It gives our, our top round 26 to 28 targets which you may think well 26 28 what does that matter but if you're not prepared to make good selections there then you'll waste those three picks uh, make sure you check his article out my concern is, is that now that we have a lot of patterson and hawkins those guys came in even smaller and less athletic than i was hoping i'm worried that those may end up being throwaway picks that those guys may really fall to the very end of the reality draft and another player that i have that concern about who i have almost 100 ownership in is hubbard you mentioned hubbard and jefferson as checking three of the boxes here uh, how concerned should i be about these two guys who our players rotaviz is higher on than the community but as listeners are taking in this show late in the week maybe doing it as they watch the nfl draft are that our listeners going to be listening to this while hubbard and jefferson fall to round six round seven <laughs> I think that it's going to be hard for um, Hubbard to fall that far um, because I do think that teams in the actual draft are going to be intrigued by what they saw um, in the best season of his career. They know that the game speed is there. I think that, you know, everyone would have liked to have seen him test with a 40 yard dash that was coming in in that really low four three range it didn't but still we've seen that he, the guy has tremendous speed athletically he comps to guys like melvin gordon joe mixon miles sanders no sean moreno one of my favorite backs of all time uh kenyan drake there's things that you can point to in his profile and the college production that i think teams are going to be attracted to so i actually still think that hubbard's going to go fairly early in the draft which will make his fantasy draft stock go um you know maybe higher than it would obviously if we saw him saw him fall later but also sean i think that from the standpoint of putting him on a lot of teams hubbard still feels to me like a guy that has a lot of upside because what if we what if his peak level of production in college does manage to translate to the nfl then you could be looking at a guy that you manage to scoop up a little bit later than the other top backs in this class and has a lot of potential. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. But I think some of it goes back to the idea of if you're taking chances with this group of players this year, you might as well do it with a guy that in his profile has shades of an elite back. So Dave, uh, a recent Triflex draft as well that you're doing, uh, Monty Fan and uh, Curtis Patrick comp competing with you here. In this one, me and uh, Sean talked about Monty uh, and the draft that he's doing with Sean uh, this uh, past Tuesday show. Um, what's uh, some of the insights that maybe you have found so far in those Triflex leagues and maybe some of the, the difficult areas where you're fighting, maybe with ADP, what decisions to make to, to get that kind of ideal roster construction? Yeah, well, you know, before I really share anything, I want to say that I am upset with Monty because I traded <laughs> I traded a round 15 pick of mine with him for a third uh for a third rounder 
in next year's class. He did not use that pick on JV and Hawkins, but before the clock got back around to me, he selected JV and Hawkins because he had the two picks before I was up, and I'm really upset about that. With that off of my chest, uh, (laughs) (laughs) these leagues are really cool, and what I have found um, awesome about it is I love drafting wide receivers, right? And I was able to start this draft off with Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, and Terry McLaurin. Um, so though you might think that these are Rotoviz leagues, and, and keep in mind, we were in the first one, Curtis, Monty, and I. So we were setting the initial ADP, which was a really interesting thing. Um, despite it being kind of loaded for the wide receiver position, you still saw a lot of teams. The first six teams all went quarterback. We actually only had three picks in the first round that fell outside of the quarterback position. Curtis and I both went with wide receivers. There was another team that took Christian McCaffrey. Then in round two, you start to see more wide receivers getting infused into the mix, dispersed with running backs. Um, Interestingly, we actually saw Kyle Pitts. This was really interesting, and I'm curious what you guys think about this. We saw him go in round three as the third tight end off of the board. Um, so things have been really interesting. A lot of different builds across these teams. It's really hard to almost uh, land on any blanket statements that you could say about how ADP looks like it's going to shape up and how teams will be structuring because there's just been so much. Um, there's been such a lack of uniformity. Just a lot of teams approaching these different ways. Dave, one of the things that jumps out here is that with your four wide receivers start and this being a best ball format, I think that the wide receivers can be even more valuable And that one of the takeaways that we get from the roster construction explorers, which obviously are focusing on a single season best ball, is that the early wide receivers give you more firepower and give you a higher win rate than you might expect. A lot of people approach best ball the opposite way thinking you can load up on wide receivers late and that the optimized lineups will then pull in a ton of points at the wide receiver position when really that doesn't happen. Those wide receivers are all mostly scoring below the level that you need, and so you end up losing. Yep. You started here with a lot of wide receivers. I like that for this format where up to five wide receivers could be in. If you have a non-quarterback in the Superflex, you can have six wide receivers going. Fill us in a little bit on how you then pursued the later rounds specifically maybe how you addressed quarterback when you didn't go QB early sure so and to your point I think that you know a very strong way to build the team is by loading up with the wide receivers because I was still able to get and this is a league where I would be interested in playing two quarterbacks I was able to get on my team Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins as my quarterbacks so I did that in round six and seven, um, which I think was pretty solid. And I also would point out, too, that I actually got Kareem Hunt and Aaron Jones as my running backs and then backfilled later my receivers with guys like Will Fuller and Curtis Samuel. So why I'm feeling so good about this is because now when my receivers contribute to my team, these are going to be absolute top level numbers whereas if i had gone with quarterbacks earlier i think the delta between those quarterbacks and the two that i have wouldn't have been as large as it's going to be between the receivers that i have and those that i would have had later and we know that there's just not as many running backs that can contribute these massive weeks to your team yes their weeks might be 
more massive than the wide receivers, but there's such a concentrated group of those players that I now have a team that I feel really good about bringing forward with those two quarterbacks, with my handful of running backs that very honestly probably have a low shelf life, but I'm so set at wide receiver that I feel good. I also got Johnu Smith and Jared Cook at my tight end positions. I love the line you used there about uh, running backs for the low shelf life. I I think you're going to have to trademark that. I I haven't heard that uh, come up too often. Uh, I think it's a good... (laughs) An interesting way to talk about veteran running backs or guys who mightn't be uh, around all that that long. Uh, I mentioned on uh, Tuesday's show that I haven't jumped in and done a draft yet. Sean teased that we may have to do an official one here for the podcast. Um, I've obviously been reading between the lines, getting the information from Sean on the strategy. Anything for any of our listeners or myself that you think heading into that first triflex that with a few of them under your belt now was the kind of thing that you learned maybe from the first one to the current point that you wish you knew on that first draft? Sure. I would say to anybody that's going to be entering these leagues um, that you definitely have a point probably in the third or fourth round where you can think about making trades for trying to find the teams that are going to want the quarterback and make trades with them. Also, especially when you get to that point where there's a break kind of in the quarterback tiers and Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins are looking like the only players that have some youth and are kind of in the second tier of quarterbacks, definitely explore trade options with every team in your league because I can guarantee you that there's going to be some players that might give you two picks in the rounds after that just to have the chance to get Tannehill or Cousins. Um, So I would pay attention to that. And I think, you know, it's probably a general piece of advice for any of these startup leagues, but really be exploring all of your potential trade options and trying to make a move. Um, I was unsuccessful earlier on, and I think that's because I wasn't being aggressive enough or making myself feel uncomfortable. I was trying to kind of have my cake and eat it too, too much. So I would say get in these drafts, recognize that teams are really going to be coveting the quarterback position, identify who those teams might be and try to uh, see what you can get out of them. Um, Because even if I didn't get Kirk Cousins in this draft, for example, I still think I could have gotten Matt Ryan and another quarterback that would have allowed me to be perfectly okay heading into into the first season of the league. Awesome, awesome stuff. Of course, make sure you're following Dave on Twitter at DaveKabenFF. Dave is uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to in the entire fantasy football industry. Uh, Back before uh, our daughter, Caitlin, was born, uh, she just turned three in the last couple of weeks, actually. Um, Dave came on a podcast series I was doing called Learning to Dad uh, and gave me uh, the the knowledge drop as to to what to expect uh, over those opening months of fatherhood. So I always appreciate Dave for that of course I have mentioned the competition make sure you're dropping us that written interview on your favorite podcast app if you've been thinking about it for a while and you have been holding off for whatever reason now is the perfect time you can help win yourself some Rotoviz subscriptions we are giving away two by one month subscriptions from one three month subscription that three month subscription winner will also be getting an upcoming appearance on Rotoviz Overtime to ask Sean and myself questions so don't miss out get involved today drop that five star review some that have been dropped over over the last week or so just going to read through them now hawks fan one drops one and says great content and education sean and column do a great job explaining the numbers side of fantasy while educating their audience and holding their attention i love the new startup series highlighting sean and sam's recent articles on the website love the podcast so much i become a road of subscriber so much much appreciated there 
from Hawks fan. Thank you for that great review. And then the next one up is a must listen actionable insights. Every week the podcast brings thoughtful insights that are actionable and backed by excellent data from best ball to dynasty to season long. Sean and Colm are some of the sharpest minds. They introduce subtle nuances that optimize strategy approaching your draft team management and trades love the podcast and congrats on the 200th episode thank you very much for that one as well as always as a loyal podcast listener you can save yourself 10 percent off a road of his nfl pass all you have to do is at checkout drop the code rv radio 2021 or go to road forward slash podcast for additional information it is draft day hopefully your team drafts the players that you want to see drafted and hopefully some of these guys we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks get some ideal landing spots for their fantasy seasons and fantasy futures heading in to 2021 here it's going to be fun over the next couple of weeks to break down the landing spots enjoy the draft this weekend always one of the more fun times of the season and of course that is going to do us for today's edition of rotoviz overtime on rotoviz radio my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host as always is sean siegel follow all of sean's great work up on rotoviz.com until we're back with another two episodes next week of course have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people asked me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.